0: blog talk radio
1: August. 23rd 2013 edition of Don't Let It Go Unheard where we discuss news politics and culture from the perspective of Ayn Rand's philosophy it's the philosophy behind the uniquely American sense of life the sense of life of those who believe we have the life to uh, excuse me we have the right uh-huh. to life liberty and most importantly the pursuit of your own individual happiness I'm your host Amy Peekoff and joining me here in the studio as is customary but didn't happen last week is cartoonist uh-huh. Bosh Faustin. welcome back
2: Hello, everyone. Thanks.
1: Yeah. Uh, Just before, literally, I think 10 seconds before we went on the air, my microphone, which I had sound checked, and everything was great. Suddenly the little light on it just turned off as if it just wasn't connected to power or who knows what. And it's a USB mic, right? So I had to unplug it and plug it back again literally seconds before we went on and and make sure that it was working fine. So I was happy that it is now working. I think everyone can hear me, right? I think you'd be typing into the chat room there. Anyway, what what do we have planned here for you today? You can always check out the program notes over at dontletitgo.com if you want to get, you know, get a preview there. But in essence, we are first going to talk about the NSA turns out very obligingly because I am still in the throes of figuring out where my third party doctrine law review article is going to be placed. Um, I've been very pleased with the response so far. I have an offer that I would be perfectly happy to take. And currently we're seeing whether there's a few other law reviews that are long shots, you know, that would be very nice if some of them took it. But, you know, who knows what's going to happen. So I'm still in the middle of all this. And Dredge obliged by having an NSA story as the top story on Dredge Report today. A story in which, and, and I mean, this is a similar story to what we had last week. NSA is breaking the rules, and we're going to be scandalized about the NSA breaking the rules, but my point is, yeah, the NSA is breaking the rules, but it's breaking rules that themselves break the rules, so it's even worse than Drudge and everybody else is talking about, so we'll talk about that story, and of course, we have to talk about, and this even made Drudge Report, I just, I mean, you're surprised when something like a casting decision for a movie makes Drudge, but Ben Affleck was chosen to play Batman in yeah. the next movie. Now, the next movie is not strictly a Batman movie, right, Bosh? It's a Superman Batman movie. Yeah. yeah, it's a Superman Batman movie. So uh, he's going to be trying to fill the shoes of Christian Bale. So we'll talk a little bit about that. I know that Bosch has just a few mild opinions about that. And we're going to have some preliminary thoughts on Mark Levin's The Liberty Amendments. I have been, as I said, preoccupied a lot with my article, and there's different things you have to do when you're currently submitting to law reviews that have been taking up a lot of my time. So I've only read some of it, but we'll talk about some aspects of that book as well, and some stories. So go to the blog, DontLetItGo.com. Check out the program notes for the stories, some of which were shared uh, with me by listeners. So thank you to those of you who send those stories in. When I'm really on the ball, I take a look at the sources where you guys are sending me. Particularly, people post them at Don't Let It Go Unheard on Facebook, my page on Facebook. People post stories there. That's a really good place to do that. So thank you to Rob Eviera and Robert Reed Daly who have sent stories for this week. Just a couple of uh, things to follow up from last week. Anthem the Play, remember last week I interviewed the director, Anne Chickalella, and also the adapter, Jeff Britting. If you haven't yet heard last week's show, go ahead and check that out because I thought it was a very fun interview with the two of them for the first hour of last week's show. There is a upcoming off-Broadway production of a play based on Ayn Rand's Anthem that these two are putting on there in New York City. I think it's going to be really, really fun. And... I just heard that the Indiegogo campaign that they had was not completely successful in the sense of meeting the goal. But Indiegogo is flexible in the way that you can actually get a high percentage of what was donated or pledged, even if you don't meet your goal. That's one of the options on Indiegogo. And they've apparently earned enough to put a billboard in Times Square. Awesome. And I believe it was for the whole month of September. Excellent. But you can go check out their page on Facebook as, as well and, um, and see how that's going. At, at the program notes at my blog at DontLetItGo.com, I have a link to the play site itself, the site for the, the play. And you can read about the play, buy tickets, etc. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. The other the next link I have on the program notes is peakoff.com and the reason I put that there is because I believe on Monday will be the first of the two podcasts that I was talking about last week when I went to go for the recording of Leonard Peakoff's podcast. And the first one I'm not in it at all. It is Leonard Peakoff giving quite a long, longer than usual podcast diatribe on the NSA, and Snowden, and I think you'll really enjoy it, so definitely check that out on Monday. He releases his recorded podcast on Monday. He records them sometimes a couple weeks in advance, so check that out. I'm not sure then if the one that I'm in is going to be the week after that or it might be two weeks after that. I'm not sure how they've set up the order, but I'll keep you posted based on what I see. Uh, okay, so here we get into the stories proper NSA intentionally abused spying powers multiple times, says a story over at Bloomberg.com, and it was at least the top story at Drudge. I'm not sure at Drudge you want to check, Bosch, but I'm wondering if the Hassan verdict is going to take over top story status at Drudge. We'll find out soon. No? No. Still the NSA. Uh, Hassan was found guilty. That's not so surprising, but I guess the tricky thing was that he was found guilty in such a way to allow for the death penalty to be imposed. I haven't yet heard that the death penalty is going to be imposed. It apparently takes a unanimous verdict of all 13 of these high-ranking military officers to say death penalty in order to get the death penalty. Yeah, And you don't always know what you're going to get with something like that that needs to be unanimous. Anyway, I'm waiting for that to take over this story. But this is the story that's been the top story on Dredge this morning. It says, some national security agency analysts deliberately, deliberately ignored restrictions on their authority to spy on Americans multiple times in the past decade, which contradicts the Obama administration officials and lawmakers' statements that no willful violations occurred. And then here's a quote from the NSA. Uh, It says, over the past decade, very rare instances of willful violations of NSA's authorities have been found, the NSA said in a statement to Bloomberg News. It says, NSA takes very seriously allegations of misconduct and cooperates fully with any investigations responding as appropriate. NSA has zero tolerance for willful violations of the agency's authorities, Ha! Huh. The incidents which were chronicled in a new report by the NSA's inspector general provide more evidence that U.S. agencies sometimes have violated legal and administrative restrictions on domestic spying and may add to the pressure to bolster laws that govern intelligence activities. Yeah, so that's the solution, Bosh. They're going to pass more laws. Bolster the laws. Now, this is the whole problem. The whole problem is that all of this activity of the NSA has been taken out of the realm of the Fourth Amendment by the third party doctrine. I get to indulge today. I love it. Top story on dredge, right? I get to talk about it, and it's the subject of the law review article that I'm waiting for decisions, publication decisions about today, so I get to indulge here, but what they have done with the third-party doctrine, which again says that any information that you share with a third-party, like your phone company, internet service provider, Facebook, etc., you no longer have a reasonable expectation of privacy in that information. And so therefore, if the information is turned over to the government, it's not a search, not covered by the Fourth Amendment at all, and therefore the only thing that can protect you from government abuse are these flimsy statutes and apparently when they pass these statutes first of all the statutes do not require probable cause or particularized suspicion before the government can get your metadata or even the contents of your communications okay so that's one problem but then what the other problem is that those statutes with those flimsy rules those are being abused those are the stories that are coming out now so we have rules laws that break the rule that should be, which is the Fourth Amendment. All of this should be covered by the Fourth Amendment. Probable cause, particularized suspicion. Um, In my article, I talk about how we can do that and still have effective criminal investigation. We can have security and privacy. We can have a government that respects our rights and still have security. We can do it. That's what I talk about. And how
2: they do it, I think Hillary even came up recently, uh, we need a balance. You know, a balance between well, the Well
1: see, and that's yeah. that's the idea. Ever since this so called right to privacy yes. was proposed, and that's in the eighteen ninety law review article mm-hmm. written by the old Justice Brandeis, right? You know, eighteen ninety was way before he became a Supreme Court justice. I think he became a justice somewhere in the early nineteen teens. But he you know, he was a practitioner and he took on all these various cases and he co wrote a law review article with this other guy, Warren called the right to privacy Harvard Law Review article it has been credited with giving a rise you know uh, to this whole right to privacy and in the article itself they talk about well it's not absolute it's got to be limited it's got to be balanced against the public interest and they talk you know they talk about various ways that they suggest it could be balanced and they urged that the right to property and the right to contract were inadequate to protect our privacy and came up with some flimsy arguments to try to support that. It is a poorly reasoned piece; it is a piece that's given rise to whole, this whole thing, and that whole idea of balancing of saying well we we'll, you know we'll protect your privacy when your expectation and privacy is reasonable. Yeah reasonable according to whom? According to society. It's an expectation that society is prepared to recognize as reasonable. That's what the standard is. And apparently society today is not prepared to recognize your expectation of privacy in your metadata or sometimes even your phone calls and your emails. Anyway, let's go on with the Bloomberg piece here. It says the inspector general documented an average of one case per year over 10 years of intentionally inappropriate actions by people with access to the NSA's vast electronic surveillance system. Now, that's what we know. We know that there's one case per year over the last 10 years of intentionally inappropriate actions. So talk about unintentionally inappropriate, right? (laughs) We talked about some of those last week where somebody transposed the wrong number or something and suddenly – had a whole bunch of the contents of people's text messages, phone calls, emails, whatever, right? The NSA is apparently hooked in to our information in such a way that they can put a typo into a database and then suddenly be reading your love letters that are in your email. That is horrifying that it's even set up that way, That typos. And then talk about one case per year over 10 years of these intentionally inappropriate actions, Right. Now, all of this, there's an official who spoke on condition of anonymity, etc., because he got this report. So we're not supposed to even know that this is going on, and imagine what, was not included in the report. It says the deliberate actions did not violate the FISA or the USA Patriot Act, but instead overstepped an executive order that was issued by President Ronald Reagan, which governs U.S. intelligence operations. Uh, It says the actions were the work of overzealous NSA employees or contractors who were just eager to prevent any encore of September 11th. Oh, my
2: God.
1: That's all you have to do, right, is you just – cry September 11th. Yes. It's like the boy who cried wolf. It's the NSA analyst who cried September 11th. Yeah, the government who cried 9/11. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I got to think of a cartoon. <laughs> you
1: yeah. go- you're you're going to have a new cartoon? Yeah,
2: the, as you just noted, I mean, yeah. you 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 created a spot the government who cried 9/11. Yes. Excellent. Yeah.
1: Uh yeah, because that's what they're doing now and basically as long as you cry 9/11, then the John Bolton and the Greg Gutfelds yep. of the world will, won't bother you at all. Yep. Uh, you know, it, it's all in the name of security. Yeah, we're libertarians, but mm-hmm. you know, we got to have some security, got to balance. And, and you know, if you're going to find a needle in a haystack, you got to got to have a haystack. So we all are having a moral duty to contribute our love letters into the haystack, right? Anyway, people who are defending the NSA, it says, the agency has taken steps to ensure that everyone understands legal and administrative boundaries, whom to consult with questions arise, blah, 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 blah. It says, the report was provided to congressional intelligence committees, according to administration officials. The compilation of willful violations, while limited, contradicts repeated assertions that no deliberate abuses occurred. Mm. Army General Keith Alexander, who's the director of the NSA, said during a conference on August 8th in New York that, quote, no one has willfully or knowingly disobeyed the law or tried to invade your civil liberties or privacy, end quote. Now, who knows how finely that was parsed so that he can get out of that that in light of this news story. Uh, Feinstein. Senator Feinstein of California, who heads the Senate Intelligence Committee, et cetera, they have defended the NSA. Uh, Also, Mike Rogers of Michigan, who's the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee. This is Feinstein's statement. Parse this. It says uh, that her committee, the Intelligence Committee, has quote never identified an instance in which the NSA has intentionally abused its authority (laughs) to conduct surveillance for inappropriate purposes
2: end quote because they're above board
1: so if it's for security anything goes no problem you know intentional abuse of authority for security purposes is fine no problem Uh, Rogers Mike Rogers of Michigan said on CBS's corporations face the nation show on July 28th you know CBS makes me think of Time Warner let's, (laughs) let's put that out of our brain here uh, on July 28th, he said that there were quote zero privacy violations uh, zero end quote in the agency's collection of phone records of Americans. Now what? conception he has of privacy? Oh, privacy is a no. balance, right? So, yeah. I mean, by definition, there's no privacy violations if privacy is a balance between privacy and security. And, you know, it's just it's a balance. It goes one way, it goes the other, whatever. So the lawmakers' staff have since parsed the comments by their bosses distinguishing between violations of the law and deliberate violations of an executive order. Okay, so for Obama, executive orders are law, but to the NSA, executive orders aren't law. Yeah. Okay. Just want to get that straight there. In terms of violating the NSA, uh John DeLong wait,
2: wait National Spying Agency? The yeah, N- that's pretty the, much the, the NSA? The yeah. National Spying Agency.
1: Yes, that's Sorry. pretty much. Uh John DeLong, who's the NSA Directors of Compliance first referred to abuses of that executive order on August 16th, telling reporters that there had been rare instances of willful violations of legal authority and the privacy rights of U.S. citizens. He said there have been a couple over the past decades. They're talking about one at least one per year now. It says when they do occur, right, they are detected, corrected, and reported to the inspector general and appropriate action is taken. And it says uh, intelligence officials have attributed most abuses of, the F- of uh, FISA restrictions to technical or inadvertent errors and again i think it is insane that there is a system set up in which you can have a technical error that results in the exposure of very private materials there needs to be extra layers of stuff i'm not talking about making more statutes i'm talking about getting rid of a system that gives that easy an access to these people Legal Opinions Declassified on August 21st revealed that the NSA intercepted as many as, here we go, 56,000 electronic communications a year of Americans who, okay, Americans, who weren't suspected of having links to terrorism before a secret court that oversees surveillance found the operation unconstitutional in 2011. 56,000 electronic communications a year per year for how many years many years before 2011 says in a declassified legal opinion from October 2011 the court said the agency substantially misrepresented the scope of surveillance operations three times in less than three years misrepresented so our government is lying as well I hate misrepresented they're lying, they lie Uh May twenty twelve internal government audit found more than two thousand seven hundred violations involving NSA surveillance of Americans and foreigners over a one year period. This is crazy. So I mean, what do you think, Flash? Are are you at all surprised or no? No, I'm no.
2: not. Uh, these arrests.
1: Now what is this? I've got oh I've got links being dropped in the chat room, I'm not gonna be able to take a look at this at this point, but I'll check it out later, Ed. Uh, If you want to comment on the NSA intentionally abusing its spying powers, feel free to call in 760-888-5817, or you can just let me continue my diatribe. You can also chime in in the chat room. I think a lot of people here in the chat room are not that surprised anymore because we've been talking about this for a while.
2: So so when I said when I dubbed it the National Spying Agency, you didn't blink an eye because it's the given, right? I mean, that's what the name ought to be, and that's it.
1: I mean, that's what we're going to have to be calling it now. The thing that I don't get, right, is uh, to me, the the fact that people are very upset about the NSA and that this is really endemic or it's just, I think, representative of big government out of control. This type of environment where people would be outraged about something like this seems to play right into what Mark Levin would be suggesting, which is that we use the Article five procedures to, you know, suggest constitutional amendments that would rein in the size and scope of government, government spending, regulation, the, the whole bit, right? The bureaucracies. That would be wonderful, Um But some people think, well, nobody's really that upset about the NSA. And is that just because of the information that you get when you watch Fox News? And a lot of the commentators on Fox News say, ah, what NSA is doing is no big deal. It's
2: shocking to me that, uh, again, uh, Greg Garfield, Bolton, it seems like they just made a quick flip into um, irrelevancy. By not by not taking it seriously, it, it was actually shocking when I when I heard Bolton angrily called Snowden a traitor, as well as Gutfeld and some others. And uh, this is what's happening now, and it's just it's it's unbelievable. Um, I don't get it.
1: I mean, I I would think, and I mean, I don't know. You know, Dredge does like to stir people up, and yeah. he's um, I'm trying to sensationalize things all the time. You know, that's really the word I was looking for: sensationalist. And so maybe. What I see him being outraged isn't really translating into outrage among American people at large. But I would think there's a lot of people who are you know outraged. What? just
2: just because they're not and, oh. and
1: and both left and right, yeah, right? Exactly. You know, or, yes. or at least at least I would say liberals and libertarians. Well,
2: I think libertarians – Well, some liberals are like uh, like like. Oliver still in the leftist to communist might as well call him He said Obama's a snake and we have to you know, Make sure we call him that now we have to see him as such now But he feels betrayed by him because he wasn't I don't know because he didn't do what he thought he would do or should do because I mean He was friends with uh, a dictator What's his name? the Chavez Hugo Chavez if he's friends with, with uh, Hugo Chavez what kind of arguments does he have against Barack Obama? I mean really what fundamentally nothing so he's irrational he hates him for some irrational reason But, yeah, it is liberals, it is uh, young, usually young people, and just because we're not out in the streets screaming our heads off doesn't mean we're not outraged. This country can be quietly outraged to an extent. On on our blogs, we express it on Facebook, social media. Believe me, there's a ton of outrage out there in those things. But people think that if we're not, again, we're not raging on the White House and saying, you know, know, head on a stick, you know, them online, well, that we're not outraged. Of course we are. All of us are affected indiscriminately.
1: You know, I think part of it could be exactly what Levin, actually, it's not really Levin, but Levin was quoting Alexander de Tocqueville in in the first chapter of his book. And uh, de Tocqueville uh, relates, you know, that when the government gets so big and so intrusive and basically has you coming and going, no matter what it is that you're trying, Alexis de Tocqueville, thank you. Um, Thank you, Ed. Uh, I always just think of de Tocqueville. Anyway, um, he, he talks about the fact that once the government has you hemmed in from every direction, controls your every move, that it doesn't necessarily kill you, destroy you but right. what it does is it basically keeps you from being very active. Yeah. It, it destroys your soul, it destroys your
2: your creativity, your originality, your, your mind. I mean, your, initiative,
1: your energy, your initiative, yeah, and. I think that could be what's going on with Americans it now. It's like there, there's outrage after outrage after outrage. Yep. And in order to survive, it's like you have to not let yourself get as outraged every single day. Otherwise, right. you would never produce.
2: You start to settle into this idea where, well, this is where we are now, and you know we have to fight that eventually. But it's just it's it's, it's sad when we come across. And this was, I think, Obama's plan to overwhelm us, overwhelm us with this kind of lawlessness that he had planned because he was friends with with a terrorist. Once you're friends with terrorists, you don't give a damn about the law. So from that day forth, you know, once he had his coming out party in a terrorist home in 1995, well, but what I'm saying is uh, every day to inundate us with this to the point where we started to get semi-used to it. And that's just, and that's what the, uh, the talk was talking about, I think, where the point is we just become enervated. And it's like, well, you know. What are you going to do? Yeah. Let's just try to be happy. Let's watch a movie. Let's do something and let's, you know, make enough money. Let's be, uh, let's try to be semi-happy now and this well, is, and this is and, a and
1: this is what Obama wants for you, right? Yeah. It, 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 you know, over and over, I've analyzed Obama's speeches, and he wants the basic bargain for Americans: you make just enough money that he thinks you buy a reasonable house, you get a yeah. reasonable education for your kids, you sock enough money away. You don't piss away off your neighbors
2: for... by having a better car than them. You know? No, yeah. no,
1: you have a reasonable retirement just as much as the government wants you to have, because I guess they plan on probably confiscating all our four hundred and one ks in the future.
2: Well, he, you know, he, of but, course, the, lives like a king.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it it's really crazy. You know, uh, just finished watching yesterday A Tale of Two Cities. And, he, I mean, start to t- think about Obama, that picture, right, in Martha's Vineyard where mm. he's golfing and he's, you know, got his leg up in the air in some stupid like pose or whatever. It's like the French aristocracy yeah. flaunting decadence. things Absolute in front of. Decadence it it's horrible while, anyway while
2: the country's suffering while Americans are suffering
1: before we get to the liberty amendments though let's go ahead and do the next uh, story on the list though which is what's being called on twitter batfleck that's funny
2: yeah that's funny. i
1: that wasn't me i, oh, I wish okay. i could tell you that i came up with that you know bosch is the pun master whoa. whoa, whoa, the, whoa, whoa. sorry
2: oops the oops. punisher okay <laughs> I mean, come on the pun so, sure.
1: so if I could come up with a good pun, it would be great, and I'd love to take credit, but no, someone on Twitter came up with the tagline Batfleck, which I thought was actually very, very clever. Yeah. And because here on Blog Talk Radio, you like to come up with a short title or short you know, description right. of your show, Batfleck was perfect to throw in there. So Variety Reports yesterday. To the dismay of a lot of Batman fans, apparently there are petitions flying everywhere yeah, two
2: petitions. To, to undo
1: this. Uh, ben one, Affleck, one
2: to the White House, which, we, which they rejected. They actually deleted it from their site. Oh, they deleted yeah, it? Yeah, delete, the one to the White House they did. But then the other one called Change uh, is still up. It was 2,000-something automatically. It's not, something, I mean, maybe even two, 50, I mean, I don't know. Two thousand five hundred. I don't know what it was.
1: Now, does the White House typically delete those petitions? Because I've but seen a did. lot of like silly, really right. silly petitions stay up yeah, for a ben long Affleck time. Yeah, Ben
2: Affleck is a supporter of Obama. He's a lib, so you know we got we got to help out our boy. You
1: know. Oh my gosh. Anyway, Variety reports Ben Affleck is the new Batman. The Batman Superman feature that's going to hit the theaters in July two thousand fifteen. Actually, they have an exact date.
3: Yeah.
1: July seventeenth, two thousand fifteen. Put it on your calendar. You can run to the theater and see Ben Affleck try to fill the shoes of Christian Bale. Right. Uh, basically, Bosch, you've been able to talk about nothing since, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. Really, that's that's the case. I mean, I'm a big Batman fan ever since I was a kid, years and years ago, decades ago. And uh, I've never liked Ben Affleck. I think he's a bad actor. I've liked some movies that he's directed, uh, Gone Baby Gone, uh, The Town. He wasn't bad in The Town. I mean, he didn't star in Gone Baby Gone. I'd rather I'd rather see his brother, uh, Casey Affleck. He's a little smaller, a little more slight, but he's 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 a good actor. He's not a good actor, Ben Affleck. So I don't, he's not going to bring any weight to the role. He's going to rely on the weight of the character to, to try to lift him up to it. It's not going to happen. And uh, I just it's 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 incredible to go from Kristen Bale to Ben Affleck. And uh, I just I thought about this 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 casting because when The Man of Steel came out. In the press, uh, the director Zack Snyder and the actor who played Superman, uh, Henry Cavill, they were they kept being asked about how about uh, you know spin offs going to uh, joining forces with uh, Batman with the Justice League of America, Wonder Woman, and they they always said, well let's just relax a little, let's focus on Superman, let's try to establish him first before we move on. Meaning in the second film they're going to really try to establish character even, even further than with the first one. And then, all of a sudden, a month or two later, there's an announcement at comic Con that there's a Batman Superman movie, and that is one hundred percent probably uh studio driven and it's 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 understandable they want to make a lot of money, but I think it made six hundred fifty million dollars batman i mean uh, sorry, Superman, man right? of Steel man Superman of Steel. which is huge, which is a great box office. But because of movies like Avengers making a, a billion, over a billion dollars, they figured that was somewhat of a failure in their mind, in the studio's mind, not in the fan's mind, not in the actor's mind, not in the director. And they said probably, well, we want to make a lot more, so let's slap on Batman in this. Let's just push the issue. And then on top of that, um, they cast Ben Affleck. And I don't think it was it was the director, Zack Snyder, who cast him because they said – Zach Snyder reacts to the to the casting. Reacts to the casting. What does that mean? Yeah, when does
1: the director react to when the does casting? He react? Right? Because the
2: studio probably said, "Look, this guy's a nice guy. Uh, he just won an Oscar for a movie. It's prestigious. He's not a good actor, but you know, he's really, really nice. And let's make him Batman. Let's reward him for being such a good lib."
1: You know, Ed in the chat room is uh, really on a on the roll here. He first of all, instead of pun assure, <laughs> he has pun ditch. I like it, which I like. Uh, but then he, he suggests that they could have Matt Damon as Robin. That's right. Yeah, have they ever done yeah. an older Robin?
2: Yeah, Chris O'Donnell, I think his name is. He was older. He well, was in but i'm 20s. But
1: I'm saying like... Of the Dark Knight Returns style older.
2: Oh, no. Yeah. He, had, he had a very young. Robin. Because this
1: would be an older exactly. Robin, right? In his 40s. So you'd have an older Batman and an Within older types. Robin both, which would be interesting. But Bradley Manny is Catwoman. No, that's funny. And that's just uh, a little too much. But t- way to integrate stories, yeah, right? I think
2: it was the uh, <laughs> casting by committee, casting by studio, casting by uh, people who are, not, who are not that creative, and they hired someone who's not that creative. You know, Ben Affleck is not an actor. He's not a committed actor like uh, like Christian Bale. Christian Bale is an absolutely committed actor. Intense. You know, he's uh, he takes the character very seriously.
1: Okay, okay. So let me let me play devil's advocate yeah. a little bit. And I can play devil's advocate here only so much because Christian Bale. Yeah. Because Christian Bale. That's it. But <laughs> that being said, I enjoyed The Town with Affleck. Sure, that was good. Um, he is, as a director at least, talented. He's a, he's a good can, director. can he direct himself? Listen, I don't know. Okay. But no wait, Let me finish. Let me finish. So my thought is, if he works hard, and I think he's going to work hard, not He'll be okay.
2: No, but that's that's but, the point. But
1: I don't. But, but he's he'll not going to be, gonna okay. be He's He not can't gonna be bail. great.
2: He will not be a great Batman. He might be a serviceable one to an extent to push off of Superman, maybe something. He's a big guy. He's like 6'2". I mean, physically, he suggests Bruce Wayne more than any actor who has played him. Okay. Even, even Bill. I, he just more. I, I he has a more square face.
1: I have an analogy. Yeah. Okay. Remember how we said, you know, God, we've really been ragging on Barack Obama a lot. And, right. You know, we should just say something nice about him. And, and actually, there is something nice that we can say about Barack Obama. There is. There is, and it is.
2: He's not as bad as Hitler. Right, right. I mean, he's not as bad as Hitler. Okay.
1: So you – know. As bad as you're projecting that Ben Affleck might be in this role, and i'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out what i'm going to plug in here at the bo- at the end, one that actually happened or one that might have happened, but the one that actually happened is val Kilmer right, but the one that might have happened, which is probably even a is the, yeah, the, a better true. Hitler analogy, is
2: yeah Nicolas Cage Nicolas Cage Superman. okay as Superman I might say that casting Ben Affleck as... I just call him Affleck. He's a studio hack. You know he is. I mean, he was kissed so much butt throughout his career. But anyway, uh, Ben Affleck is a better casting as Batman than Nicolas Cage would would have been for Superman. I will give him that. But uh, Ed here says Affleck would be better than Michael Keaton. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Michael Keaton was, is, was and is a good actor. And when he was cast, the big problem was his physicality. It wasn't about him being a bad actor. Everyone knew he was a good actor. He was... You know he was yeah Mr. Mom, he I enjoyed as
1: Batman. Sorry, Ed. he
2: was intense. He looked like he was committed to the role. Uh, there was intensity about the character of the way he played Bruce Wayne. There was something you could believe this guy could go out in the night and kicks some butt. Um, I don't see that in Ben Affleck at all, at all. And Ben Affleck again physically, he's probably the biggest guy who who's played uh, Batman maybe outside of Adam West, tallest, and just a, the physically. If you look at him, he suggests Bruce Wayne from the comics more so than, than the other actors. Again, as I said, more so than even, than even Christian Bell. He has black hair, tall, square face, semi handsome, uh, but he um, is never shown anything, anything great in any role he's ever played. He might have a good part here, or there, a good bounce off of a off of a better actor, but never. And his voice is weak. they gonna have to. Really, I mean, I hope he doesn't try to. Now, Bale at times did push it a little too much with his gravelly voice. I mean, really, really did, especially yeah. in Dark Nights. Uh, uh, you
1: can do your imitation if you like. No, just
2: when he goes over bridge. I mean, it's just yeah. it's, it's like, you know, and it's also speaking to people with that voice who know he's Batman. It's like, you know, Bruce. They know you're Batman. You don't have to use that voice with them. But anyway, he, um, he, he's weak, and you don't pick a weak actor to play Batman. Especially if you're going up against who Superman, they got they got to make a scary Batman up against Superman. You pick Ben Affleck. I mean, the only one you could see right now is Bill. If they if they put Bill, you say, okay, you could see him figuring Superman out to the point where he could possibly go head to head with him. Now what Quit happens? Tonight.
1: What happens when Affleck gets six months of the training, the physical sure, training? Sure, he, he'd
2: look solid. He'd yeah. look solid. But he still is. Oh, that's Ben Affleck. <laughs> that's oh, that's that's Ben Affleck. But he
1: gets to wear a mask. I have, you know, I'm trying to play devil's advocate some, Someone
2: suggested if they cover his entire face, if they get his voice dubbed by Bill, if they do this, if they, maybe not bad. You know I mean, <laughs> if they bury him, basically. And, I mean, I don't know. It's like if they put everything fits, everything clicks. You got the music, even the new Batman theme, which I assume. Has okay, the
1: okay. I have it. just figured out why they did this casting. Why? It's for the women. You want to know Why? Why? Because this is a movie, right? It's going to have both these guys on the screen at the same time. And if you had two super smoldering hot guys, if you had Christian Bale and Cavill, Henry Cavill... On the same screen, the fun. women wouldn't know what to do. They wouldn't know which so one to look say, at. You know so they said, "Okay, Boom. we got to just put Affleck there because that, then that, the good. women can just know where to look."
2: I like your reasoning. That, that sounds <laughs> that sounds right. That, you know That's it. That I was feel, the reason.
1: I feel so much better now. Now, as long as oh, when man. they when they do a a you know single Batman movie afterwards, then they got to okay. ditch Affleck and get somebody hot. Well,
2: okay. One thing here. You say he's handsome. You about say like handsome. Yeah. I'm sorry. He, no, he, no, no. He's he, just not no. hot like Bale. He is conventionally handsome okay. to the point where I saw him as Peter Keating for years. Perfect I'd almost too on-the-nose casting. Almost too on-the-nose, you know? Handsome in a conventional way, soft-spoken, weak, but also a people person. And again, about, about him, I, he's a, he is a good director. I will give him that, absolutely. Um, an actor is a very individualistic, very individual um, craft, you know, you are on your own. You are committed. You are. You got to learn a lot, and it's a lot about you being by yourself and thinking. And and he's never done that. He's a people person. He's a Democrat. He's a big time leftist. He's uh, gregarious. He has friends and buddies. And, yeah. And, if, and if, he, you wanna, if you want,
1: if you want to see his leftist tweets, go ahead and check out the. It's,
2: it's tough to watch. His,
1: his Twitter feed. I link. I, I link to the Twitter feed in my blog. When he
2: heard that uh, Hillary was going to join Twitter, he goes, "I can't wait to follow Hillary." And he's a real leftist hack. And in my, in my take, a lot, a lot of times, the least talented guys in Hollywood are the most leftist because of that. Because they can make a lot of buddies and directors and producers and casting, you know. But, uh, you know, he also want, wants to be a politician. He said he could see himself being, yeah, I could see that too. Something fake about him. There's nothing true. You know, with Bill, you know that there's something real going on. There's something intense. At, just as you see him, even in the photos. I mean, I put this photo on my blog. Check my blog. I put like four I think I have four <laughs> blog posts already about this, but check it out when you can, about the contrast.
1: Yeah, Bosch has no opinion. He hasn't been thinking about this at all.
2: I mean, you know, you know so I just...
1: Uh, and <laughs> in the chat room says, get Adam Baldwin as better. Batman. No doubt about I it. can tell you, I've met Adam Baldwin, and he is big. He's big he's guy. Big. He has a good voice. Um, I don't think I posted it, but I have a picture of me standing next to him, and he is so tall. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah, he's, he's very tall. Um. Yeah, but
2: you know, I, I'm just gonna say some 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 comments that, that I put. Okay, uh yeah. you know, Ben Affleck has two Oscars, but none none for acting, for for directing, for co-writing a screenplay. That's what he's known for. He's uh, he's on the Oscars. He's uh, you know, he's I guess an interpreter of people's scripts. And he's good in that sense. He uh, co-wrote that I guess that, that script with Matt Damon. He couldn't write it on his own, but he's not a creative force and. Uh, People are like, well, why do you need a great actor to play Batman? The fact is, that Batman is a great character. You just need a character and an actor to come in there and bring something more than just a two-dimensional, you know, character. You, can, you need to bring to life a little more depth, let's say, which he doesn't have. I mean, he, he never had it. And, and anything that he that he's played, he, again, he might be better in some movies, like in, in in The Town. He was better than in some movies I've seen. And he's directed. He directed a movie, okay, but he's from Boston. And he played a character in Boston, and for some reason he really lays the Boston accent thick and unnecessarily so when he plays people from Boston, even though he's, he is from Boston. Doesn't have to lay it on thick, but it does.
1: Okay, okay. Here, here Bosh.
2: Yeah. Just
1: to give you up to the minute. Okay, first of all, we'll, okay. we'll, we'll look at the poll first, okay? Yeah. Variety has a poll. They ask you, do you think that this is the right casting for Batman? And as of now, it says 77.1% say no. Yeah. This is the wrong casting for Batman. Um, two questions for you, boss. Yeah. If you've ever seen this much negativity about a casting before, has the movie gone on to be successful? Ever? Okay.
2: Well, I will say when Heath Ledger was announced, everyone was like, "Okay, weird." Nobody thought. He would ever be cast. No one thought about Heath Ledger. He doesn't look like a Joker. He doesn't suggest at all. He was a pretty big guy. His deep voice. He's uh, not. He was. He, he wasn't too skinny, and he didn't play any of his weird roles. Uh, but they were not. They were still open today. Well, okay, okay. Let's see. It's Chris for no, uh, Chris for Nolan God and there must be something to it. He must. Now, have what known did Now, what
1: did you think when you first heard I was like, about okay, Heath Ledger? Okay,
2: interesting. Uh, I didn't. I didn't know what to think. I was just. I would never ever have thought him ever okay. as a Joker okay. ever. Okay. okay. Um, but I didn't say he was a bad actor He was a good actor I saw him in The uh, Patriot He was with Mel Gibson He was good in there uh, Maybe another movie he was in
1: uh, Was he in Brokeback?
2: He was I, I didn't see that You didn't see the movie? No okay. I can't stand his, his co-star in there His, his lover that, that guy with the weird eyes Um, I've got his name
1: Gyllenhaal? Yeah They yeah. thought about him
2: for Batman Please I mean physically At least with Ben Affleck You say, okay He could fit the part physically Physically he could fit the part That other guy Forget about it but yeah, so then it ended up being the, you know, one of the most celebrated comic book movie roles of all time, Heath Ledger. He was unbelievable. But he gave everything he had to the role. And also, he was a committed actor. He was not a director. He was not a screenwriter. He was not this. He was not that. He was not a Hollywood guy going to parties, uh, talking about politics. And he was not a committed actor. And that's the difference. Uh, ben Affleck is not a committed actor. Never has been. You got another question?
1: Yeah, I do. So... Assuming, And I, I think, if, okay, first of all, Ben Affleck, I feel bad for him right now. Do you feel bad for him no, at all right
2: now? No, because, I mean, he he got into a business that uh, in, in a lot of ways he shouldn't have got into. I mean, he should have just started as a director on his own terms. If that's what he wanted to do, he should have started as that because he's good at that. He's just not, again, he's not a committed actor. He's not going to go and, and do a transcendent role. He's like, whoa. How do
1: you know, you know though? I mean, what, how, if, no, what, 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 years, what if he puts piles of 15, work into this?
2: You know what? Prove me wrong, please. Please prove me wrong, Ben Affleck. Please prove me wrong. I doubt it. Based on what he has been, fifteen years of crap acting. Is, you know, people say, "Wait and see, wait and see." So, fifteen years of bad acting. Now he's going to turn around and be a great actor. It's not, It doesn't happen. It never happens. You always see. You know, from day one you see Christian Bale. From day one you see uh, 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 all other actors say, "There's something there. There's something going on there. Something interesting. Something true." Never did I ever see Ben Affleck and say that ever. Now his friend Matt Damon. Yeah, he's he's a good actor. He's a committed actor. He is. He's a hack, you know, in real life, whatever. But he is a committed actor. I don't him? know.
1: Maybe it's the same as editors and writers. There are people who are good editors who Maybe. really don't write that well themselves. Maybe. I don't know. But you'd think that somebody who was a good director could also direct himself and then become. Uh,
2: by the way, the okay. the Onion is suing Warner Brothers for for casting Ben Affleck as, as Batman because they <laughs> they they stole their stick. They said that could have been one of our you know our story. Yeah, what the hell is this?
1: <laughs> we could have posted a story and gotten a lot of clicks on ads because of that story. Damn Look, it! Look,
2: the character of Batman is great, and he was made greater by Christopher Nolan, by Christian Bale, in that trilogy. He was he was made greater than he ever was. And to follow up that with Ben Affleck as Batman, it's just, it's, it's almost tragic. Almost.
1: Well, I feel bad for Ben Affleck, but then again, I'm horrible, right? So I can't even watch some movies that are supposed to be funny because I feel sorry for the <laughs> pathetic people in the movie. So what was the one
2: Lost in America? Lost
1: in America. Great movie.
2: Great movie.
1: I I can't laugh at that movie as much as you're supposed to because I end up feeling bad. For the characters in the movie, and if you've watched the movie, you know what I'm talking about. That is my particular temperament. So we're not done, again. right?
2: This is so, we just started right? about this Ben Affleck. <laughs>
1: if people want to call in and again, I uh, and debate Bosh,
2: I, I don't feel bad for people who, career, people who go after a career.
1: 760-888-5817
2: People who who go after a career, they're they're they want to be a star, they want to be an actor this and that, and then don't live up to anything of that. I mean, he just again he hurt. He has hurt every movie he he's been in. Um, the talent, I didn't see Argo I heard about Argo I heard the beginning is terrible With something that they Try to pull I guess maybe some leftist push I don't know But overall it's good And it is uh, I guess pro-American I don't know I don't know how he was in there But uh, he won two Oscars He also uh, uh, Zach on the Twitter uh, A Twitter follower And Facebook friend of mine Uh, posted that he has won, I think, 10 Razzies. Razzies are basically the bizarro of Oscars, the anti-Oscars. He won 10. That makes sense. I mean, I don't know the actual list. I didn't see it, but I I would absolutely believe that he did win 10 Razzies, which are for worst actor, worst performance, worst this, worst that, and he won 10 of them. It makes perfect sense. He's not a great actor. And uh, if they limit Batman in, in the film to being a lot in the Batman suit, if they limit him his Bruce Wayne, you know, sections, if they do that, it might not hurt the film as much?
1: I think I'm gonna need alcohol to watch this film because I'm <laughs> I'm sitting here looking at Ben Affleck's Twitter feed.
2: Oh man.
1: And on the tenth of June he tweets, I'm looking forward to following Hillary Clinton I mean, and the TBD. Do you know what TBD is? I don't know. I don't know. And then the tagline tag there is tweets from Hillary. Yeah. Oh, it's so he exciting. also
2: uh, was very happy to, the, to get that, what, Powers, what's her name? Samantha Definitely Powers. Powers. Yes, yeah, Samantha Powers, the uh, hack at the UN who basically wants to wipe out our sovereignty via the UN. This is one of her dreams. And he loves her. He can't wait to you know, see her. and just Again, this is a studio this is one of their boys. Don't you have you know. something
1: that you wanted to play for us during the segment before we go on? Uh, yeah. Did you find it?
2: Uh, one second. One yeah, second. You I, need I have e- it in my iPhone. You, you, in need my you, iPhone. Need to,
1: you need to find it. Here's the tweet about uh, Samantha Power. He says, congrats and welcome to Twitter, Ambassador Power, a strong voice for human rights, dignity, and American values. I hate when the left tries to say, oh, this is American values. Like Nancy Pelosi says no. that Obamacare is an instantiation, she didn't use that word, but whatever, of of American values, that it embodies American values, Obamacare of all things. So are you gonna Yes, gonna...
2: one second <laughs> I will I will find it. I'm sorry. Is, is you you were you
1: were supposed to have this little audio clip That's as true. the introduction to That's this true. segment. So we'll just have this as the segue out of our segment there on Ben go. Affleck, what do we have? Uh, yeah, uh, in the chat room we have X V L E V L E V, which I cannot pronounce to save my life, but uh, asks what American values are though. Yeah, exactly. What American values would uh, Samantha Power promote? And certainly not Amer non American values. or I guess post American like, values. Please? Yeah, go ahead, put it up. Yeah.
2: This is from Team America world police, and I hope you can hear it clearly. I hope you heard that. That's from uh, Team America, and uh, the, you know I don't know if you saw Team America. It was a, a real funny, bad puppet movie, you know. And they actually I think almost prided them, themselves in making the movements bad when they fought, and they went after Hollywood big time there. And it was the uh, Pearl Harbor, which was a terrible, now, did, terrible. Did film. Did Ben
1: Affleck get killed in Team America?
2: No, no. 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 Okay. I don't even think they had him in there. I think they had Matt Damon there. They had Matt
1: Damon. I remember yeah, that. Matt
2: yeah. Damon. Yeah. But they didn't have, uh, I don't think they had Ben Affleck in there. I know they had a lot of, they had Alec Baldwin. He was the, uh, the head of FAG, the okay. Film Actors Guild. <laughs> he was proud to be a fag. That was hilarious.
1: Hi. So sad. Oh, we do have a call. So maybe somebody does want to talk about the Ben Affleck casting. Hi, who's this?
3: Hey, this is Ollie calling about the uh, Ben Affleck uh, controversy. Hey,
1: uh, okay, so what do, you, what, what do you say about it? We are open to all points yeah, of view yeah. here on Don't Let Absolutely. It Go Unheard. We are.
3: Okay, I'm not, I don't disagree with anything Bosch is saying, but, um, you know, I'm not the comic book expert that Bosch is, but I did take a, a college course on uh, comic books into films, so I do have a, a little bit of uh, knowledge and, in my understanding, there's always been kind of two sides to Batman. There's always been kind of the sillier side, you know, of the comic books, and then of the, you know, there's Burt Ward's Batman, where he had the eyebrows painted Almost. on. Almost. And then, right, and then there's, yes. you know, the, the darker, more serious side, which, you know, I, I'm a fan of as well, but I guess when they're doing Batman versus Superman, or Batman and Superman in the same movie, which is kind of silly to me, it's like... uh it's like Alien versus Predator almost. <laughs> it's like, might as well just kind of get a very kind of mild, uh, mildly talented actor who just can really look the part and, uh, and just have kind of a feel good movie, which seems like that's what they're, they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. I, will,
2: I, will, I will challenge it up by saying that um, it's, it, the movie will be basically Superman versus Batman. It's a battle. It's not a, a, a friendship that they're going to get get together and fight some bad guys. They're going to battle. They're going to battle it out. And the way they started Man of Steel, it's a very serious, reality based film, as as real as Aliens and you know uh, coming into onto Earth is. But uh, it has to be some kind of weight there. You can't have uh, a, like a like an Adam West type Batman going up against this. All powerful alien. Well,
1: I don't think Affleck you know? would be that silly. No, he would be kind of flat. He wouldn't you have like, the, take the, the, it, the brooding thing. you, you got to
2: take it, a deadly series right? where this guy, Batman, maybe sees this alien as an absolute threat to Earth and has to go in there and maybe to stop him somehow. And you got to take it seriously. That's his mission. You can't say, well, let me go find out who this guy is and, you know, and talk. I mean, I just, well,
1: okay, what, what about the storyline, Bosch? In the uh animated series Oh
2: that was that was great and they took it seriously No but they took it well, seriously Well they, they took
1: it seriously right but there was kind of the back and forth with of, Lois you know I mean, exactly that, Lois no, but, and Batman's wooing Lois I don't know and,
2: if you guys have seen the um animated series there was a Batman uh, two-parter with a Joker and Lex Luthor and Batman and Superman it was really well done if they can get that type of thing in there it's entertaining. You're talking that, that, that's
1: the Superman animated series yeah. where Batman came in. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did
2: I yeah. Say something? Well,
1: you said the Batman animated series. Oh, I'm series. sorry. Yeah. Oh,
2: okay, sorry. So it's
1: the Superman it animated two man, yeah. series, two episodes, two episodes of it. Two episodes of back-to-back, had back Batman. To back, had yeah. Batman.
2: Yeah. And there was another one also with Batman, which was great.
1: But if they did something like that, Batman is what? I mean, is he is he the dark, brooding Christian Bale type, or is he a little bit lighter well, he's than dark.
2: that? Oh, no, he's dark in that okay. series. Absolutely. Okay. He's a dark okay. character. That's They picked it right off of where Frank Miller's started with the dark knight that that was their whole basis i mean to, to go back to batman being a dark obsessive character an intense character which is what he is and i think you need that in the character to go after an all-powerful alien like superman you know you need that kind of weight that kind of commitment that kind of uh i don't know i mean awesome dedication to defending what he thinks has to be defended
1: okay. so ali ali what do you think how do you react to that um,
3: I guess I stand corrected. Um, I didn't realize this was supposed to be sort of a darker battle between the two uh, superheroes. Uh, let me just ask. I mean, they, they could.
1: I was gonna say they could recapitulate it though, right? I mean, there's no rules against that. Well, I mean, that, I yeah? mean, well,
2: l- sorry. Let me say one thing, Ollie. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but uh, Zack Snyder, when he announced the Superman Batman film, he had the actor who played the general, um, the black actor who played General, I forgot his name, Henry something. He had him read an excerpt from *The Dark Knight Returns*, which was a Frank Miller-written and drawn comic, book, the Batman story, Batman versus Superman. It was a—they were—they were at odds throughout the entire series, and they went to war. They—they they went at it, and he read an excerpt from it, not by accident. That's what Zack Snyder is trying to push here. He wants a real a battle of the gods. I mean, he, this is a battle of the two big ones, and it's so funny with Batman. You know, he's—he's—he's he's, he's just a man, but he'll outthink anyone. You know he'll outthink anyone, and that's what he does in the ba- in the story, which is I hope. And that's also another bad thing about getting Affleck. Doesn't just exude intelligence? He doesn't. You know, it's just I don't know. It's sad. It's really really sad. Okay,
1: I want to give Ali the last word here. Yeah.
2: Go
3: ahead, Ali. Uh, is Superman going to be played by the same actor as in Man of Steel?
2: Yeah.
3: Oh well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Uh let's just keep kind of an open mind, just, you know, like you said, uh surprise me or
2: Uh please. I hope so.
3: Yeah. See, I just okay. I just
1: I just think, you know, now now I'm not going to have a conflict. I'll know when a, the two of them are on screen. I'll <laughs> just be looking at Henry Cavill and I I won't be conflicted in the least bit that I'm not looking at Ben Affleck. So, that is
3: hey. Funny. <laughs> All right. Funny.
1: Okay, well, thanks for calling in, Allie. And, uh, thanks, Ali. I'm sorry. Le- next time we'll pick a topic where uh, Bosch isn't so
2: opinionated. <laughs> um, I'm, you know, I'm very, I'm just, I can't, I mean, when I first heard it, I got to say I had a, I'm true. And this is maybe me committed, being committed to comics for decades. I had a dead moment. There was no excitement. There was not even a rage. It was like, what? Okay. You know, like, that's it? That's all you got? You know.
1: Okay, so he says he wasn't angry and he did all those blog posts. So I hate to see him when he's angry, right? Oh boy.
3: Uh, hey, <laughs> next uh next time I call in, uh let's let's next time talk about Islam. I don't
1: think Bosch has much of an opinion. <laughs> no, no, no opinions at all, not a single one. <laughs> Thanks, Ali. We'll talk Take soon. Care. Thanks, Ali. Okay, bye bye. If anybody else wants to call in at seven six zero eight 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 five eight one seven. That again that's seven six zero eight 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 five eight one
2: seven. No no someone here at Liberty Route said, Why are they talking about this nonsense now? I, I agree. Uh, casting Ben Affleck is absolute nonsense. I agree with that. I definitely agree.
1: I, I mean, we we get into cultural stuff every so often, liberty and reason. Yeah, we're going to go into the liberty amendments now, which I think will probably be more to your liking. And Ed says that he's read the entire book, so he might end up wanting to call in and talk about this. We're just about at the bottom of the hour, but let's go ahead and start a little bit into this book. Again, you're listening to Don't Let It Go Unheard. This is Amy Peakoff and I've got cartoonist Bosch Foston here in the studio with me. I have a cartoonist with me not only because we were talking about the casting of Batman today, but we also talk about political issues week after week here. So the Liberty Amendments has done exceedingly well so far. Bosh, you said that it is what debuting number one New York Times. Yeah,
2: and also Wall Street Journal and uh, Amazon number one across the board. Hardcover politics. This. How that, often non-fiction. does this happen? I don't know. I it, it might happen. I just haven't seen it happen in a long time, if if ever. Across the board, it is the most popular book out there.
1: Now, of course, and it's fitting. He's doing only four book signing yeah. events. All of them completely booked yeah. the speaking event in California sold out in a few minutes or something is what he said. Mm-hmm. So he's doing fifteen minutes, yeah. Yeah, he's doing very, very well with yeah, Bosch is an avid listener to Levin. Yeah. Uh but anyway, this book, what he does here is he proposes that we use Article five of the Constitution which lays out apparently two different ways In which amendments to the Constitution can be proposed and what he proposes is that we use the second way which involves the states in order to call this uh, convention and suggest amendments to the Constitution and then what he does is he suggests a series of amendments to the Constitution and I would say just based on what I've looked at so far and I've only read I would say two or three chapters through um, but then I've also kind of put, you know picked and choosed around and looked around at the uh, the amendments themselves, and um, maybe I've read a little bit more than that because I was I was skipping around. But the one amendment that I would say that I uh, disagree with, or at least part of the amendment, is the one that has to do with the Supreme Court. Uh, the Supreme Court, he actually proposes that we can have the states override a ruling. Of the Supreme Court, and uh, the, he doesn 't agree with the idea that you have a Supreme Court as a final arbiter on what is or isn 't constitutional and I got an email from someone who hasn 't yet read the book, but who has heard that, that you know this is what Levin is proposing, and um, he 's a very smart person, and he you know right away flagged this particular one as you know the one that might be suspect. The idea is that if you don't have somebody who is the final arbiter as to what is or isn't constitutional, have some branch of government, that you're setting yourself up for a form of anarchy, that there's never the, you know, a final word on it. And I, I tend to agree. I think you've got to have the Supreme Court being as you know the final arbiter. What I would not mind at all is the other part of that proposed amendment by Levin. Levin also promotes term limits. For Supreme Court justices. He thinks that no Supreme Court justice should serve more than 12 years. And I think that would be fine. Mm -hmm. I I don't see a problem with having a term limit on Supreme Court justices. But in terms of saying, well, here's a Supreme Court ruling, and you're going to have it eradicated by, I think, two thirds of the states or something like that, you know, two thirds of the state legislatures. I think that would be a problem. And what would happen after that? What Levin proposes is that if the two-thirds of the state legislatures decided that they wanted to nullify this particular ruling by the Supreme Court, then you'd be left with different rules on that issue in the various circuits, right? Because usually when a case comes to the Supreme Court, it's because there is a split among the federal appeals courts, among the different circuits. So, for example, just, you know, say... In the Ninth Circuit, abortion is legal, but in the Sixth Circuit, abortion is illegal, and then it goes to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court makes a ruling and says abortion is legal, right. and then suppose, you know, suppose two-thirds of the states say, no, we want to go ahead and nullify that ruling, then you're going to basically have huge swaths of the country in which abortion is illegal and then other parts where it's legal and all kinds of chaos.
2: Doesn't he anticipate this argument and uh, argue against it? Doesn't he in that in that chapter or not?
1: In terms of you know whether there's going to be chaos ensuing and, right. and all this stuff, he he thinks not, right? Because he thinks first of all it would be you would have to have such a unanimous opinion among everybody in the United States that they wanted to get rid of that particular right. ruling for it to ever happen. So it would seldom happen. But he thinks it would happen only in cases of really bad bad decisions by the Supreme Court. But uh, that is. One chapter that I've, that I've kind of looked at some of his argument for, so maybe we'll, we'll take a look at that. Uh, we are actually at the top of the hour, so what I should do here instead of just kind of rambling a little bit, but that was, that's kind of my overview in terms of I, I like a whole lot of what he suggests. Maybe you would say in certain parts he doesn't go far enough. I think Ed Powell had said that with respect to the Commerce Clause, he thinks that Levin could have been just a little bit more straightforward and opted for what is in Atlas Shrugged, the yeah. amendment that was suggested by Narragansett, which is just saying that the you know the government shall not interfere with commerce at all. It's basically right. a separation between state and economy. But uh, I I think he almost essentially said he he says it from the negative, you know. Side, He says, basically, what is the Constitution about? The Constitution was about preventing states from interfering with commerce with each other, right? The states were not supposed to erect barriers to trade. That was what the original intent of the Commerce Clause was. And that's what Levin emphasizes. So he implies, I think, the Narragansett Amendment without actually – uh, saying it explicitly. I think he
2: fancies himself an originalist. I think he does. Oh, sure. And, and you've written about that also, where sometimes certain things just don't don't quite cut it. I, I think Ron Paul was trying to push on one one particular issue.
1: Yeah, I mean, originalism can be wrong, right? Yeah. So the fact that the Founding Fathers intended something doesn't necessarily make it 100% perfect. But at, at the same time, um, he is
2: proposing yeah. something that hasn't been proposed in, I don't know, maybe a long, long time, at least not in my lifetime. And he says, look, I'm not infallible. My intelligence is not infallible. I'm going to send us out there. We're going to have a national conversation, which we are. Again, it's a bestseller, number one, most popular book in the country. It's important that it is. It's good that it is, and he's very good. I mean, he's um, he's, he's not an objectivist. He's a conservative, but he's one of the best conservatives out there. I can listen to him exclusively only. I mean, I can't listen to any other talk show shows. He's the only one who keeps me completely interested in what he's saying. I disagree with him a few issues, but overall, he's excellent. And I'm glad he did this. And he's starting a fire. I mean, he really is. He's getting a lot of a, a, a lot of pushback, backlash from the right and the left, both of them. Right. Uh, because the right, a lot of them, they like the status quo. And the left, of course, in this book, you know, and and these ideas and this attitude would threaten them. The whole prospect is, wait a minute, we can overturn some things. We can fix some things. We could basically uh, make some politicians not no no longer uh, 30, 40 year senators. Uh, Congressman, I mean, just...
1: Some of the term limit things I I don't really have a problem yeah. with. I think the biggest thing is that I would say a lot of that would go away. Your career politicians, yeah. um, I, you couldn't really do anything about the Supreme Court. I think if, if you want to term them out, that's fine. But I think what we need to have is substantive amendments to the Constitution that limit the powers of government, and that if you have those... If government just doesn't have the power to give itself favors, to gerrymander so as to ensure re-election for incumbents, right? That's one of the things he talks about. So, you know, all of those things, if if you limited the power of government, I think some of those problems would take care of themselves. And,
2: he, you know, he's advocated for that big time. He wants to really whittle down the government. But also I would love if if, uh, some of the better critics about his book and about his ideas really respond in book form, you know, jump off of it. And say, "Well, these are good. heres some that are a lot better, and here's why make the arguments to him, make a pamphlet, make some books about it let's start, and he just started something here. He initiated this, you know whatever criticisms people have, well, he's the one who is initiating it now
1: yeah i mean he, i don't I haven't seen anything in here that says these are all no. the amendments that must Absolutely be proposed." Not. And if no, he's you leave a if guy. you if you leave out any one of these, the whole thing will fall right. or any of those weird kind of things. He's not doing. No, that. he he's, wants a challenge. He's, he's arguing for this, and and like I said, I I like most of what he says here uh, that I've seen so far. I would maybe modify or amplify the part that he talks about commerce. Yeah. You might wonder why he says, well, why can you have a fifteen percent, you know, cap on taxes? Why right. not make it lower than right. that or right. something like that? But uh, he has. I think made a very good start here, and it. I, I'm kind of heartened that it's doing so well. Yeah. New York Times yeah, and all those exactly. places, right? Exactly. Let, let's go ahead and answer this phone call here. I think I'll this is Ed. Yeah. Hi, Ed. How are you? Hey, Amy. How's it going today? It's going fine. Think, so
0: you we'll have go away. Go away from Batfleck for a second. I did. Yeah, uh, I did read this book, um, and I want to say that his. Uh, His legal and historical scholarship is excellent. I think he does a a very good job in each section setting the groundwork for the problem that he is going to be addressing. And uh, he goes to the original sources, the original decisions, uh, the original, you know, a lot of Federalist Papers quotes, trying to get to, you know, what what was intended – but unfortunately more than more often than not, he kinda of goes off the rails when he proposes the uh specific amendments. You you picked the one where he wanted the um supermajority legislative override of Supreme Court decisions, which Right. Um which now of course there have been many bad Supreme Court decisions, don't get me wrong. And Right,
1: uh, but I mean the Supreme Court can then overturn itself when you get them out through the term limits or you know, whatever yeah, other yeah.
2: It certainly
0: uh, it certainly is possible. It's it's possible. It's unlikely because conservative justices believe in stare decisis and liberals don't. So so, how do you
1: how do you get uh, how do you get it over? Uh,
0: How do you you overthrow
1: that? That all speaks to the idea that really we still have to have a cultural and philosophical revolution. I mean, talk about Levin himself. At the beginning, he says that it's you know the status. Their campaign and aims, et cetera. It says that they have these schemes hatched and promoted openly by their philosophers, experts, and academics. And yeah. I would say back to him, how do you expect to solve the problem without philosophers, right. experts, and academics? Right. And he's an expert. Um, no, he, I mean I,
0: I love, and Landmark Legal has done so many good things over the yeah. years. I mean just just recently they've uh, for are, are trying to force the Obama administration to come clean on some of the scandals. Um, I, I think, though, that – I mean, there there is – to disagree with what you said earlier, I don't think – you do need someone to decide what's constitutional or not, but I don't think it should be the Supreme Court. I agree with others that the final uh, – uh, Tom Woods mainly, to, uh, but others – that you have to have some way of deciding – whether a federal law is constitutional or not, have that decided by the states. Have the Supreme Court be able to decide whether state laws are constitutional or not? So the Supreme Court can strike down state laws. The states can strike down federal law. That would be okay, a, but, a Tom Wood, t- Woods' idea. That would be a better uh, a division of of power right, in the I, country.
1: Right, but if 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 I, if I read Levin correctly, he would say. Yeah, he say, doesn't want to do that no no so that his is a different yeah. proposal entirely that's an interesting proposal yeah. that you have for sure but then you would always have one or the other would be the final arbiter that's basis. right
0: there would be a there would be a final um but you go through some of these and you know oh great we're going to we're going to um do something on spending and taxing and then he does weird things like uh put a cap at 17.5% of the nation's gdp well, I mean that—that's a terrible thing to write into a, 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 an amendment to the Constitution because they're, the GDP is a calculation done by some government department. They use all sorts of fudge factors. It's ridiculous.
1: Right. You know
0: why write why write in things like the uh, Congressional Budget Office into the into the Constitution like he, he did? <laughs> now, right. You know why why. Uh, I, oh, the other thing, amendment to protect private property. Here it goes and says, uh, you know, tries to clarify the takings clause to say, you know, if you restrict someone, um, you should...
1: Yeah, you to should the tune of $10,000 or more or whatever, right, yeah, yeah.
0: But, but there's two things. Why Why would you... If you're going to fix the takings clause, let's just get rid of eminent domain. But if you're not even willing to do that, how about overturning kilo, right, which is the worst, it's one of the worst decisions lately, well, Levin that that, that
1: could that could, be, that could be one of the ones that he would want overturned via his mechanism, I guess.
0: No, I mean if you're going to say if you're going to modify the takings clause, why not say private property cannot be taken for private use, which which is what Kilo said it could be taken for private use. Um he on his show, he he argued, he argued extensively against Kilo, but when given the chance, he didn't put it in. So there's all sorts of bizarre Little things he has this committee of Congress to review regulations uh he He goes on and on about how Congress has is unconstitutionally delegating its powers to the uh, administrative arm of the executive branch, all of which is true and then right. he goes and puts an amendment in that says well okay they can do they can do that as long as the regulations don't exceed a hundred million dollars of, of economic burden you know for uh as determined by these offices and voted on by this small committee of I mean it doesn't make any sense. I mean I, I wish I I like the idea.
1: Well, okay. So so back up we though, need, right? Okay. Back up because in general,
0: okay. we need it. The amendments Yeah.
1: Right. Well, okay. So so but I mean in in general, the idea of using Article 5 to oh, yeah. have the state up. Have the states propose this amendment, you know, the, or a series of amendments? You're on board with that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I we got to do something. I, and 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 it's
1: it, and it's just it's the particular amendments that you quibble with, and basically you say you might even agree with his overall aim. This is the thing that really got me. It, what struck me, and I, I was I was pleasantly surprised when I'm reading chapter one. Okay, um, when he talks about the fact that what the government is doing now, right, he describes big government he says a centralized and consolidated government with a ubiquitous network of laws and rules and then when he goes on to talk about what's wrong with it, listen to what how he describes it actively suppressing individual initiative self-interest and success in the name of the greater good and on behalf of the larger community. When have you heard a non-objectivist yeah. complain that yeah. Big government oh, is absolutely. suppressing, you know, individual initiative, self-interest and success.
0: Yeah, I mean Would, I, again his his scholarship and and this uh introduction but not but not just
1: not his scholarship, not just his scholarship because it is it's his overall framework that I think is quite noble here. Um Yeah. You know, I I I think yeah, we can quibble with his amendments. We could have good arguments, as, yeah, you know, why do you want to mention the CBO, the Congressional Budget Office, in an amendment. I mean that you know con- the Constitution seems a place you know it's supposed to be so dignified, and you wouldn't want to sully it up with names of alphabet soup offices or agencies or any of this stuff, right? So I I agree with you in terms of quibbling with the amendments, but I think you don't give him enough credit overall. I mean, how much does he emphasize the importance of private property? There is a place in here. Let me see if I can find it where he talks about the fact that without property um yeah yeah he says the individual's liberty this is on page 8 of the book the individual's liberty is inextricably linked to his private property who talks yeah. like that who talks like that you know only objectivists seem to talk like that so i i'm you know he obviously he has uh, said in the past i guess on his show that he thought Ayn Rand was brilliant yes. at the same That's time 40, he right. seems to sometimes deliberately Avoid any references because he I guess went line by line through a, a mm-hmm. review of his book, and Bosch had said that at the end of that particular review, somebody was saying like nobody 's going to go for this uh, any more than they would go for John Galt for president or yeah, something yeah. that this was actually said in a review of his book yeah, and he went through almost the entire review and he skipped that reference to john galt yeah. so i don 't know exactly where he stands with objectivism but i've seen I see influence here because you just, you just don 't see anybody talking like this so his i i like his concrete plan in terms of what do you do within the mechanism of the constitution to try to do something to make things better i like his overall aim i quibble with his amendments i also i mean the thing that i would quibble with and i think i think you may have said something about this as well ed but i'm not sure um the other thing i quibble with him is how do you think that a good set of amendments, suppose you and I, Ed, we talk to him and we get him to adopt what we think are the perfect set of amendments and everybody around the country adopts them, you know, three fourths of the states ratify it or whatever's needed, and those are put into place tomorrow? How can you prevent the state of the culture from eating away at even those good ones that are there. I mean, how can you, in effect, get this political change to precede the philosophical and the can cultural I say, change? I think that's the problem.
2: That, but that's where I say that's where objectivism comes in. Yeah. That's where Ayn Rand comes in. That's where her philosophy comes in. That's where good ideas come in. So he'll do his part. He's a lawyer. You know, he's a talk show host. He's a writer. Uh, that's his expertise about these things. But the culture, it's not necessarily what he, what he touched on, but that's where we come in. That's where individuals come in. And push these ideas and try to you know try to get the culture to a healthier place where this could be taken seriously by politicians who go there. You know.
1: Yeah, go, 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 go ahead and an because we've been talking. Clearly, about it. there's ahead. an
0: audience for this, or this book ha- wouldn't have shot up to number one um, in 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 so uh, so quickly. Um, but one of the things to understand his approach. Uh, you also have to have read, which I, I have, his previous book called Liberty and Tyranny, which he talks about uh, his concept of what liberty is and his concept of statism. And he uses the word statism, and that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, but his concept of liberty is kind of mushy, and he never mentions Ayn Rand in the entire book. He he never mentions, you know, uh, really a, a very strong moral foundation for uh, freedom and capitalism. He he still is coming from a, a semi-religious a viewpoint. Um, so it's you know he's he's good. I mean he's he's
1: if you're if you're
0: seventy percent my ally, you're still my ally. But still, it's uh, yeah. Aren't it, aren't are, aren't
1: you the one who said that you would yeah, vote yeah, for Cruz yeah. or I think Paul because if they're seventy percent good, we're so far ahead. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah yeah. So I I think that I think this is a good idea. You know the conservative movement as a movement you know is is breaking away slowly from the bill buckley national review types
1: um right I, still, like, for instance, did you I, I haven't been through the whole book yet but i have not seen a reference to abortion or roe versus wade in here he have get, you he get no
0: no i mean i uh, obviously you know what well, you know we, we can be pro-abortion, but understand that Roe versus Wade was a terrible, terrible legal decision.
1: Yes, I mean, yeah, you know, it, it it's, it's, definitely it's, terrible. It's just awful. Yeah. I
0: mean, the the uh, the original district court decision—I don't know whether you uh, know that—but the original district court in Roe ruled in favor of the right to abortion based on a Ninth Amendment unenumerated right. right. It was a mm-hmm. very good decision, actually, and it was upheld at the appellate court. But then when it got to the Supreme Court, they went off in the Never land.
1: Exactly. Uh, yeah.
0: Uh, it. Unfortunately, yeah, he wants to. He wants to try to. Well, okay, he wants to try to fix philosophy with structure, and right. I think that I, I think that you you can't totally fix philosophy with structure. That was your point earlier. But on the other hand, if you have a bad structure, and currently the structure of our government—not the written structure, but the way it actually works—is bad. Um, adding structural improvements is is useful and important you know it, it is useful to mm-hmm. uh i mean but you get to the point where um what, what you know you get to the point where you write an amendment like congress shall make no law affecting the freedom of the press and this time we mean it damn it i mean that's the right. amendment
1: right i mean uh, you know yeah. It, it, yeah.
0: if it, you, you can't get to that point right i mean you you yeah, but I mean,
1: I, I don't, I don't think that's what he's doing with the commerce clause per se, because I mean, some of us would argue, well, how how has the court read that to mean anything other than, you know, the federal government can make sure that the states don't erect trade barriers, for, you know, from each other. But I think that there are people who could read it that way. I mean, it, you know, it's not as clear as the First Amendment, let us say um but here's a question for you so suppose i mean again i need to go and look at what is concretely being proposed that we all get involved in and do now on the basis of this book but suppose we get the states together and all the states call for one of these conventions to propose amendments and you know we get that going will the left hijack that procedure to do for instance, this is the one that came to my mind, to get rid of term limits for Barack Obama because they want Barack Obama in forever. Would the left do well, that? It would
0: take it would it would take too long. Certainly I think they I, I certainly I there if you go and look at the amendments that uh there is a book uh written oh my God, I've forgotten the name. There is a book written by a popular author um where he uh left us where he suggests amendments to fix the Constitution. And a friend of mine who's in high school I had to read it uh, in high school, and she, I was looking through it one day. And you go through them, and they're all awful. You know, every one of them, awful. Awful, well, maybe one or two, but awful, awful, okay, awful. Okay, so, so, here, so here's,
1: here's the So we
0: go to the convention. We're going to the convention with our objectivist amendments. The leftists right. are going with theirs. And that's the real, you know,
1: who, so you, th- you think there's a, there's a significant chance that the process of doing this could get hijacked by the bad guys and that things could be made worse? Well,
2: look where they make
1: them think,
0: Yeah, things could always be made worse, but I'm still in favor of doing, doing it. I'm, I still okay. think he's so, right yeah. to try. So this,
1: this is the thing to try. I mean, this is the thing that we could do short of a real revolution yes, or short of just sitting there and taking it like Alexis de Tocqueville was saying that you know people who are subject to tyranny end up doing sometimes they awesome. just sit there they lack initiative they let the government just wash over them a like a horrible miasma of yuckiness um uh, yes
0: here the book is called 23 proposals to revitalize the US constitution uh, okay. or no a more perfect constitution That sure. is by larry sabato
2: larry sabato and uh, if you uh, if
0: if you go through it larry sabato <laughs> yeah, they're they're bad. They're bad. But <sighs> oh, Okay.
1: So overall, so overall, you give him his due. Yeah,
0: I love I love I love Levin. Um I think he does a great job. Uh, you know, again, I have quibbles. Um and and the serious quibbles though with I mean, you know, like where we where who did he ever review these, you know? I well, you, you're a lawyer. When you write law review articles, don't you send it to other lawyers to review first before you send it into publication, just to to check, um, you know, that it makes sense. I mean, I, in sometimes you certainly at, do least,
1: at least at least present the ideas in front of other people. Sure, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So I don't. I think he could have used a little bit more review by you know some serious. People. There are serious people. Randy Barnett, I think, is one of the most serious people. He's a but, uh, but, 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 um, but apparently, apparently taken.
1: Barnett is something, someone who has also proposed this idea of the uh, Supreme Court being overridden by a supermajority of, of legislatures, and that is a concern. I mean, it's it's almost kind of an anarchist strain in this, you know.
2: There's also one thing. Uh, you know,
1: uh, uh, honestly, though, let's be honest. I think,
0: like you, that there should be a final arbiter of constitutionality. I just don't think it should be the federal government on federal laws. But let's assume that there isn't. Let's assume that in the Fifth Circuit one thing holds and the Third Circuit another thing holds. Because guess what? Throughout the country that is is the case all the time. I mean there's all sorts of disagreements between – circuits that are law, and they go for years, sometimes even decades, before the right case gets the Supreme Court to adjudicate them. Right. And, and you know, life goes on. You know, it's not the end of the world.
1: Right? I mean, okay.
0: You, you know, my favorite hobby horse gun control, you got a lot of gun control in California, essentially none in Virginia. Do I think
1: that's right? No. But that's life goes on. Right. Right. Okay. Well,
2: Point right. fair taken. I'll let you go, Amy. For,
1: for, Yeah, from what I understand, we need to also look more into the back of the book. Barbara Nelson in the chat room is talking about how, in at the end of the book, Levin discusses how a runaway convention could be limited, that we could actually start this process and prevent it from being hijacked. So we've got to all take a look at that. So thanks well, three for calling
0: quarters in, of Ed. Three-quarters of the states still have to approve things. So that's the basic check.
1: Yeah, that would be the most basic check, definitely. Okay, great. Thanks, Ed, for calling in. And yeah, definitely if you want to go check out the book there, the first chapter is being given away for free by Mark Levin. I put the link over in the program notes for today's show at my blog, DontLetItGo.com, so you can check it out there. I also have right below that a link where you can buy the Liberty Amendments at Amazon.com.
2: Let me just add some some insight possibly about why – when um, Ed says that, may, you know, don't you send these things out to fellow lawyers and friends and you know, just to double check. And he uh, gets ripped off a lot on his radio show. People basically uh, pick up what he said the day before. And this, is, this is not a joke. And they, they basically rip it off and rip off his ideas. I think he wanted to keep it so close to the vest. I don't think he sent it to too, too many places, to too many people, or at least said, guys, take a look at it. And then I'll actually just, when, when I release it, maybe you'll say some absolute effect. So that, maybe that's possibly why. Possibly. I don't know, but that just shot to my mind when, because he was, I think, very worried about people just blowing it. You know, he thought he knew he had something strong, wanted to send it out by himself when it was ready, and that was it. Possibly. It could be. It could be. But
1: also, I I myself didn't see that much problem with this besides really that one amendment. And then you might say, okay, if you're going to make an amendment having to do with the Commerce Clause... Why not go ahead and state it
2: but also, in a uh, more
1: positive manner? His his
2: publisher, basically, he kept talking about it in the last few months where he wanted to keep talking about it. And the publisher was basically saying, keep a cap on it until it's released. He had to push hard to get that first chapter out there available in PDF. He had wow. to push hard for that because he would not do it. And then he said, you know what? I'm going to talk about the amendment. So he actually one, one show where he was not allowed to do it, he talked about every single amendment, you know? So I think him coupled with the people stealing his ideas and getting out there before the book is out there to water it down somewhat, and the publisher is why, he probably didn't do that. But maybe I'm wrong about what, what it actually meant about you know, sending it out to lawyers.
1: Yeah, so I mean, for example, it's, it's Chapter 7 of his book. This is what he says about commerce. Uh, he proposes the following amendment that has two sections. First is Congress's power. To regulate commerce is not a plenary grant of power to the federal government to regulate and control economic activity, but a instead, he's saying, a specific grant of power limited to preventing states from impeding commerce and trade between and among the several states. So he's saying this is what the power is, restatement. Second thing, Congress... Congress's power to regulate commerce does not extend to activity within a state, whether or not it affects interstate commerce, nor does it extend to compelling an individual or entity to participate in commerce or trade. End quote. Sounds like Obamacare, right? Which compels us all to buy insurance. So I think both of those are good. It basically negates a whole bunch of, The Supreme Court's jurisprudence with respect to the Commerce Clause, where, you know, activity within a state, so long as it affects interstate commerce, can be regulated, Um, you know, this idea of regulating control economic activity in general versus what the original intent was, which is that they, you know, The federal government can stop states from impeding commerce between and among the several states. Narragansett, J- judge Narragansett in Atlas Shrugged, he is the heroic judge in Atlas Shrugged, he uh, proposed the following amendment. It was just – and this is all how it starts because all you get in Atlas Shrugged is three dots and ellipses at the end of this. It says, Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of production and trade. Dot, dot, dot. Now, I think you can't just have that. You've got to have also the federal government's ability to prevent the states from erecting trade barriers. I think that's a useful function. So why not add this in maybe as a Section 3? I think I would like that, um, that you would, you would have all three. I think that Levin is very thorough in these two very short amendments, in terms of ridding us of a ton of disgusting Commerce Clause jurisprudence. And yeah, I'd like to see the Section 3 from Atlas Shrugged be added in there, but I'm not going to quibble with Levin. And as I said, he clearly uh, recognizes the importance of self-interest, which he says explicitly, private property, which he says our right to property is inextricably linked to our liberty. I mean, you just you, he has the right frame of mind. Uh, As I said, I think a downfall is, and um, I was having a bit of a discussion with Leonard Peikoff about this, and so I really have to credit Leonard more with this uh, observation, but I, I definitely agree with him, which is that how do you expect to put all these amendments in there and have that do the work of a cultural revolution? You have to have the philosophical and cultural revolution. Otherwise, as good as any amendments that you can put in might be, the courts are gonna, in applying them or whatever, erode them over time, just as has happened with the Constitution itself. But yes, this is something we can do. We can make things substantially better. And as Ed said on the phone call, there are procedural things that you can do that can improve things. Uh, but, you know, to me, as I said, the biggest thing is to reduce the power that government has. If government, you know, or if, if congressmen don't have the power, to grant favors that will buy them votes then you're going to have less of this problem of 30 and 40 year incumbents et cetera. yeah ed says in, in the chat room he's emphasizing again structure does matter yes structure does matter but it's certainly certainly not everything you got to have both the structure we have to have form and substance as aristotle might have said so we should go on to something completely different and something that might lose me audience. What do you think, boss? Which is what? This story, when I brought it up. Actually, I don't anyway, think... Anyway,
2: listen. Ben Affleck.
1: No, oh. no. No more Ben Affleck. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> I have no problem talking a little Would bit about that. Would you rather ben
2: have Affleck. me or Ben Affleck play Batman?
1: I guess you. Okay, cool. Yeah. Is that a pop, <gasps> is that a pop quiz? Yeah. <laughs> And if I had said Ben Affleck, you would get up and leave?
2: (laughs) Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Anyway, go on.
1: Okay. Center for Disease Control says that newborn circumcision is on the decline in the United States. And I have posted this on the Don't Let It Go Unheard page on Facebook as a piece of good news which got me some quibbling there. But as far as I know, nobody huffed and puffed and left the page right. in disgust about that. But I definitely lost some Twitter followers by posting this as a piece of good news.
2: Very defensively. You know, some people are saying, why? Why? What, what's the problem? What's, yeah. what, what's wrong with that?
1: What, what, what's good about this? Yeah. So I'll just tell you, you know, am, am I an expert on circumcision? No, I've read quite a bit about it. And as I understand it, yes, in some cases it does help. It does do, oh God, I just clicked on an ad like an idiot. Um, it does help sometimes in terms of, oh, but I have my volume down, so the ad did not make any noise. Yeah. I'm so excited. Uh, but, you know, it does help sometimes in terms of medical conditions, cleanliness, mm-hmm. and things like this, right? It can prevent infections, whatever, in some cases, right? So that there is a risk of infection that can happen in the infants, right, you know, the male infants. But I think I myself as a parent if I had, a, you know, a baby boy which I don't. Um but you know, if I had a baby boy then maybe I'd think, well, I would try to keep everything intact to avoid unnecessary surgery as much as possible if there was an indication that my particular boy was having an issue then i'd go ahead and have the circumcision done but i would try to have it sedated or anesthetized or something now i understand it's not really safe to use anesthetic on infants and stuff and that may might be part of the reason when they do a circumcision just days after the infant's birth that they do it without anest. i can't believe yeah. you're cutting off a body part without anesthetic right this is surgery people and and you know one thing that you cannot quibble with as much as people say oh well you know i was circumcised and i don't lose any sexual enjoyment i mean people say that right you don't know anything different and what people do know unequivocally is that this tissue that is being cut off has thousands and thousands of little nerve endings and we know what nerve endings do okay so it would be a different experience and you can't know what it is and don't you feel like you've missed out on something and i would think if i had a son that that would be something valuable and important enough that I would want to leave the decision up to him. Let him decide if he wants to be circumcised when he's older. You know, some people do it because they like the look of it or they like it. I can't believe I'm talking about this, but, you know, whatever reason that they have about this, right, um, I would leave the decision up to the individual himself unless there was a medical reason to do something Otherwise, that would be my preference. So, yes, I post this as good news. And, yeah, if you think I'm horrible for posting this as good news, I'm sorry about it. But this is surgery. This is cutting off nerve tissue. I don't believe in male circumcision any more than I believe in female circumcision. I, I think both should be gone. And, yeah, you might have said, okay, you know, thousands of years ago or whatever, when we didn't have the ability of, you know, taking showers every day or cleaning your infant every day. We... Can keep things clean if there is a particular infant who's born, it, you know, and it, it's hard to uh, keep them from having infections or something. Okay, fine. I, I see a reason of doing it. You don't want a kid to die of an infection. That's horrible. But I think the risk is fairly small, and therefore I would try to avoid surgery if I could.
2: Isn't it religious based as well? I mean, it's oh, it's,
1: it's heavily religious based, but I think in the United States, yes. there has been.
2: Which is a religious country, Right, maybe right. Has, you know trickled yeah. into it. But also, there was a recent study. Uh, that you know, males who've been circumcised only feel twenty five percent of what they would feel, you know, in, in sexual gratification.
1: I mean, I would feel horrible for the, whoever the subjects were that had to be in this study, right? Because you'd have to have a person who was, you know, sexually mature,
3: yeah. who was. Exactly
1: uncircumcised and then circumcised and then you'd have to ask you because you know there, there was this funny philosophical paper years ago i'm trying to remember the name of the philosopher oh god it escapes me i'll think of it later but the title of it is you know what is it like to be a bat and he's basically saying that there is this thing of consciousness and that you have to have it reported by the thing who has consciousness similarly if you're going to report you know, an amount of sexual gratification or what the intensity of the feeling or whatever, it would have to be the person who, you know, before was uncircumcised and yeah. after was circumcised. The <laughs> right. poor, I mean, <laughs> why, why did he get the, I mean, maybe he did it for by choice for who knows what reason, religious or other reasons, and then even that person would report, yeah, sex and wasn't was, as good.
2: There were a lot of suicides after that study, I think. Everyone, <laughs> everyone who, anyway. <laughs> no,
1: but I'm just, I'm just saying, most People, you know, men who have been circumcised were circumcised so young that they don't know any different, right? They don't know what it would be like otherwise. Um, I, I don't know. I'd, you know, I, a, I just, I just a, would avoid. It's a touchy avoid.
2: situation. It's a touchy subject. I mean, you just said that's why I think the people, you know, defriended you or or they stopped following you on Twitter. Is that what happened? They stopped following you. on I think Twitter. some people, okay.
1: to, yeah, stopped following me on Twitter because I said they this is good news. They took
2: personal exception. Like, wait a minute, you're saying that you know, well. I mean, it's people have, have
1: very personal feelings about it. Yeah. You know, as, as I said, yeah, I, I could see in some cases that there'd be a medical reason to do it, but I personally, if I had a boy, I wouldn't do it. I would try to hold out and leave the decision up to
2: him. And they want to, you know, mutilate themselves to some extent. <laughs> I mean, go for it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> oh man.
1: But I mean, you know, people don't know any better, right? I mean, there's there's fads as well in oh. child raising, and where you know people like, for instance, um, for a long time they would tell you ah, put cereal in an infant's bottle at as early as six weeks. Mothers would put. You know, rice cereal in an infant's bottle to make the baby sleep through the night, and apparently at six weeks old, the infants really can't digest that stuff. Mm -hmm. So you're doing something that's actually cruel to your child, right? So, but but they, but they didn't know, right? They didn't know. They thought, you know, their their infants are so Uh, hungry all the time, and maybe this will help fill their stomach. Fatal
2: cases? I mean, anything?
1: I, I don't know how much damage it did, but um, I know that a lot of parents, for a lot, I think that was done to me when I was an infant. Oh, so, you know, there's all sorts of stuff that goes on, and and people, not just for religious reasons, do circumcision. They do yeah. it because they think it's cleaner, clean, yeah. right? I, I mean, for me, I would say, okay, I'll I'll try to just keep the kid clean and, until he gets yeah. old enough to decide for himself, and try to do the best job that I can to to do it. As far as I understand, it's not that hard to do. So, anyway, that's just my thought. I was heartened to see that there's less of it going on. I just don't think there should just be default circumcision. I think try to see what's going on in the, in the individual case. Obviously, I respect people's beliefs. Am I going to go as far as saying that I think that people who do it should be prosecuted for child abuse? No, I think that they think that they're generally doing something good for their yes. child. But I, I think as more is known about the procedure,
2: yeah.
1: it's going to be something that's done less and less. That's at least my hope. So there's that little piece. (laughs) And who knows? Did people... Hey, there's still as many people in the chat room (laughs) as there was before. So I didn't lose anybody in the chat room, at least. Some people probably hung up and said...
2: Didn't depart because depart. Screw
1: her. We don't want to listen to her anymore. Here's a piece of news that I got thanks to Rob Abiera sharing it on the Don't Let It Go on Herd page on Facebook. It's a story at downtrend.com. Uh, I have not visited downtrend.com before. As far as I know, it would be a very depressing website to visit <laughs> regularly. What's the subtitle? The subtitle is, Because That's the Direction of Our Economy and Freedoms.
2: That's true. But I hope they have to wipe out this site soon. And say, okay, I, just, well. I
1: just don't know that I would want to have a whole website called yeah. downtrend.com, but I understand. It acknowledges the reality. The headline of this story is depressing. A nine-year-old is banned from library library contests. Why? Because he won the contest.
2: And did he celebrate it? Yeah. And that's why. That's it. But seriously, what no, is no.
1: It? The reason he's been banned is that he won the library's contest five years in a row. And,
2: that's and the contest,
1: yeah, the contest is how many age-appropriate books can you read during the summer?
2: And he read a ton.
1: And he read a ton. Year after year after year. I think he read 63 books this summer. That's that's what I remember. Yeah.
2: Yeah. His reaction?
1: It says, Tyler read 63 books this summer. So now in the future, the winner is not even going to be determined by whoever reads the most, but it's going to be determined by a random drawing. Random drawing. So not only did they say, okay, you've won it five years in a row, we're going to give somebody else a chance to win it, but we're That's going to was... determine the future winners by random drawing. Random Talk about drawing. no longer incentivizing yeah. the reading of a maximum number of age-appropriate books. Here's this kid. He loves to read. Mm. He read and read voraciously, obviously. And
2: he's going to now doesn't... be
1: penalized. But can't, he can't be the winner anymore. I
2: hope it doesn't cripple him in, this, in his passion for reading.
1: I hope it teaches them something about, about the egalitarianism yes, to
2: say, wait a minute and and fight it the left and and fight it somehow say i'm i'm gonna fight this crap. I was a victim of this crap. i'm gonna fight it. This is sick yeah he he took the- the initiative he's the one it's like it's like Michael Jordan when he was in the n b a for years they, he won MVP a number of times and sometimes it didn't. And he's like, wait a minute, why didn't he? He was still the best. No, no matter if they gave it to Charles Barkley, he was better than Charles Barkley. But yeah, but we have to mix it up a little, you know. We can't give it to him all the time. Oh, you can and you should because he are the best.
1: Or think about dog agility, right? You and I know Ashley Deacon. Ashley Deacon owns a litter mate of one of my dogs. I have a Prinian Shepherd and he owns a litter mate, so I've known him since our dogs were five months old. And it just so happens that Ashley Deacon is the Michael Jordan of Dog Mm -hmm. Agility. And he took his dog all the way to the international championship and won a gold medal with this dog. So I mean and, and and he won competition after competition after competition. Ashley Deacon would win and win and win. And some people in the dog agility world would actually get sick of it. It's like, oh, is it Ashley Deacon again I wish winning, someone
2: else you know? would win. I wish really someone else would win. really ugly.
1: Instead really of marveling oh, over wow. the spectacle of an athlete who has such mental discipline and, and self-control. nobody can beat him that he can consistently excel in this sport with a very good dog. But I'm and, telling you, I have a very good dog, too, and it's about Ashley. He's the, he's the one who won.
2: And they don't want someone to beat him. They want to beat him. They want to knock him out by just giving him to, yeah, you know what, let's, let's not hit, let him run, run this race so he can't win. Yeah. You
1: know? I'm I'm sorry. Any Any kind of rules that say, oh, the same person can't win again, if he puts in hmm. a superlative performance, wrong.
3: Yeah. I'll so Very this, ugly. this
1: this poor guy Tyler Tyler, I think one of the next books you should read age appropriate <laughs> books I don't think if you're I don't know if you're there yet, but why don't you read anthem? I uh, think he could he could probably read anthem by now. He's read uh three hundred and seventy three books during wow. the past five years. I definitely think he could probably read anthem. that's what I would suggest to Tyler. Maybe
2: he should read this book called uh, Liberalism is a Mental Disorder by Michael Savage.
1: Oh, don't read any Michael Savage. I don't know.
2: (laughs) Well, I don't know if he's written any books. I'm laughing
1: laughing right now because of the next story. I mean, I think Bloomberg just likes to be talked about. That's what I'm wondering. I'm wondering if I'm feeding Bloomberg's ego by talking about his ridiculous rant. Yeah, lack of ego. Bloomberg says that in order to succeed... What you should do, he's going to give you advice here, is just take fewer bathroom breaks.
2: So he wears Depends, right? I mean, <laughs> is that is that his trick? He wears Depends. He's in his sixties, maybe seventy. I don't know. I guess he wears, He goes where instead of saying wear Depends, he goes take less bathroom breaks. That's what he's saying. Okay.
1: So here he is on his you know weekly radio address. He was asked by a caller to his radio show to share his personal formula for success. And among his more interesting recipe items is limiting bathroom breaks to avoid leaving your desk and picking up garbage from the street.
2: What does that mean? Picking up garbage from the street? Do you know what that means?
1: I guess because if you go into a public does bathroom... It mean, does
2: it mean going to get a hot dog on the street? Is that what it means? Is it here first or is garbage? I don't know. I don't know what it means. I can't wait for him to be out, but you know he'll show his rotten face again and again, no, no matter what capacity. When he's not mayor, he'll probably try to run for president, which will, will be embarrassing.
1: You know, I mean, I'm just feeling sorry for the poor men and women. And I don't I don't know if this is a, as big a problem. I mean, we're talking about male circumcision, so I might as well talk about a problem that can be an issue for women, right? Uh, some women have problems with uh, bladder infections, right? So here's a poor New York City Female professional up and coming. (laughs) She's hanging on every word of advice from Mayor Michael Bloomberg. And if he says, take fewer bathroom breaks, she says, okay, well, I'll just wait. You know, I I feel like I need to go to the bathroom, but I think I'll just hold it a while. And she ends up in the hospital with a kidney infection. What about that?
2: How about the one story? Which one? For the we. To win the Wii. Oh,
1: my God. Yeah, yeah that's horrible. So there was the um, that old radio show contest, hold your Wii for the Nintendo Wii or no. something. So the woman drank tons and tons of water. Well, at least he didn't say yeah. drink tons and tons of water right. and then don't go to the bathroom, right? Because right. then, then you actually die from, uh, yeah. what is it, uh, drowning, basically. <laughs> I guess, you you drowning. You, you drown. You, uh, you kill the electrolytes, I think, in your, in your body. But that's not what he's suggesting. But, you know... If you're limiting your bathroom breaks, I can imagine all of these up-and-coming professionals dehydrated with bladder and kidney infections thanks to Mayor Michael Bloomberg. I can see
2: working for a while and having to go and say, well, I don't have to go this moment. I can see that. But for him to suggest it, I don't know, just shut your trap. You know, he's a mayor of New York City. I mean, I mean such I'm, a I'm,
1: I'm petty waiting, guy. I'm waiting for him to propose regulations for new buildings that make it so that you have to walk a long way to yeah. the bathroom. <laughs> yes, exactly. <You>
2: know? <laughs> no doubt about it. Uh, you have to climb the outside of the building. You, know? you have to take I mean, stairs to the bathroom
1: is. no matter where you okay. are. Right.
2: Well, you know, um, I
1: I remember this little part from the Steve Jobs biography when they were designing the campus Right. and Jobs wanted to make it so that you had to walk a long way to the bathroom and there were pregnant women who said, sorry, you can't do that to us. We have to have bathrooms near us if you want us to get any work done because all they'll do is be walking back and forth to the bathroom the whole time because you walk slowly and you have to go to the bathroom a lot more. But, uh, you know, Bloomberg... Oh my God! I mean, this. It, yeah, don't don't go to the bathroom.
2: Just
1: you know, get yourself a little bladder and kidney infection cause so when that When you
2: gotta that'll... go, that, that's the, when you gotta go, don't go. That's the new uh, New York theme. When you gotta go, don't go.
1: <laughs> yeah, Larry in the in the chat room says that the bathroom floor would not have an elevator stop uh-huh. at all. You'd have to be taken because that that would just integrate with this other thing. We want you to take more stairs and don't go to the bathroom.
2: He's, he's disgusting. <laughs> he's been the target of none of my another of my my cartoons naturally. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Ed and Larry are the tag team in the chat room here uh, Because Ed says that Bloomberg Is street garbage and Larry says That shouldn't be picked up uh, uh, <laughs> Right <laughs> Thanks guys for uh, Helping us out here But yeah if people want to call in and rat on Bloomberg or anything else We're actually almost at the end of the show But Batman. you can call in 760-888-5817 Batfleck
2: That was uh, actually uh, Barbara okay
1: Oh, that's still Barbara. Oh, so we got to give Barbara the credit, right? Barbara here in the chat room. So it's Ed and Barbara are our tag team in the chat room over at Blog Talk Radio. There's Bloomberg. So I just had to have a little, a little laugh at his expense. Here's a case that. Robert Reed Daly posted about on the Don't Let It Go Unheard page on Facebook, and it is something that is very disturbing. Hmm. In this particular case, I think that the outcome is going to be okay, and I'll let you know why in a minute, but the fact that this case is even getting any play at all is very, very disturbing. It is a legal case by the name of Mann versus Stein, as in Mark Stein, hmm. Okay. And it says Man wins round one. I'm reading from a post on the Volet Conspiracy blog. The post is written by Jonathan Adler on August twentieth. And apparently both Mark Stein and another journalist named Rand uh excuse me, Rand Simberg. I don't I haven't I know heard name. Of, you know the name? Yes. Okay, I hadn't heard of Rand before. But both of them had written posts On different blogs, Mark wrote on National Review Online and Rand Simberg wrote on the Competitive Enterprise Institute's open market blog. Both of them wrote blogs critical of Michael Mann. Michael Mann is a climate scientist Hmm. who I guess is associated with a college in Pennsylvania, and I'm blanking on which one. I haven't kept... Too much uh, you know specific tabs on the climate change debate, but what Mark Stein did is he had a very short post at National Review criticizing Michael Mann, you know making some of his usual witty comments right and yes. disparaging Michael Mann and and a particular chart that he posted talking about the effects of climate change or whatever, and moreover, Stein criticized the university's review of Michael Mann's work. Because I guess Michael Mann's work was called into question. Oh there's a link to Michael Mann's page on Facebook. I really didn't want to go there. No, but I wanted I to go I face. wanted I wanted to go to yeah, I had to see his face and oh. you can't you can't unsee it. <laughs> it's one of those things. But I um I'm over at the corner at Mark Stein's post of July fifteenth, two thousand twelve. In which, oh, it's Penn State, right? So it's Penn State, which is the same university that had the Sandusky. Yep,
3: uh, yep, that horrible, terrible. That
1: horrible mess. But what um, Stein is criticizing here is the investigation by Penn State of Michael Mann, of his work. He calls it a joke. He calls the administration at Penn State corrupt. Etc. And he ties in Penn State's failure to take action with respect to Sandusky and you know this climate change thing. So it's a critical blog. It's biting. It's witty. Oh, yeah. It's you know That's
2: typical Mark
1: typical Mark Stein stuff. And what happens? What happens is he gets sued for defamation.
2: Now is he in Canada? This guy. Stein. No, the uh, Michael Men.
1: Oh, I don't know if he's in Canada. Why?
2: Because he's using American law to go after him about this. Oh, yeah, he's on, using American on what law, grounds?
1: and it's an American court defamation. On what?
2: On defamation? Yeah. Just by so, mocking him, rightfully so.
1: Yeah, and and this is this is why the Volokh Conspiracy blog is blogging about this because it is very unusual yes. for a case like this, a defamation case like this, to not get dismissed. Yes. Um, So, in the blog post here, Adler writes that because the suit was filed in D.C. Superior Court, it was subject to District of Columbia's anti slap statute, that's an acronym, which is designed to discourage nuisance defamation suits. Accordingly, the defendants filed motions to dismiss the complaint. However, on July 19th of this year, Judge Natalia Combs-Green of the D.C. Superior Court denied the motions to dismiss and apparently wrote horrible decisions calling it a close case and everything but if you think about what the standard is for defamation right the standard for what they have to show for defamation is what they call malice and let me get the exact uh, language from Adler down here um, in terms of what had to be shown that's one thing about this at the uh, at the Volokh conspiracy blog okay so They have to demonstrate that the claim is likely to succeed on the merits. Um, What they have to do is they have to show either actual knowledge that what they're saying is false or reckless disregard for the truth or falsity. And the other thing is Michael Mann, as a publicized climate change scientist, is supposed to be a public figure. And the... um, you know, the standard for public figures, for defaming a public figure is a lot higher. So those of us who would like to critique a public figure like Barack Obama, Mm -hmm. John Boehner, Nancy Pelosi, we should be able to, you know, be free to speak our minds, to exercise our First Amendment rights and be as critical as possible. The standard for defamation, for showing defamation, would be very, very high. And that's what Adler says should have been true in this case. And he thinks that this particular... Judge did not apply the standard correctly. It should be very, very difficult to uh, actual, you know, get a get a uh, defamation case to go to trial. It should be able to be dismissed very easily, and in this case, it wasn't. Uh, Adler remarks that the opinions were so poorly written. Right, mm-hmm. and it, it's two separate cases. It's one against Stein, and then it's another one against uh, Rand Simberg. He said that the judge wrote these opinions so poorly that the judge confused which of the two commentators made which comments in the different mm. opinions. That's how badly it was written. Now, the reason I say that this is going to turn out okay, I think, is because there. Um, oh, Ed says no man is not a public figure. Okay, maybe, maybe is, maybe not. Um, but what uh, Adler writes in here is that both of the defendants have filed motions for reconsideration of the orders that it can go ahead and go to trial. but um, And what's happening is that this judge, Combs Green, has stepped down or is scheduled to step down soon. And so the new judge is Frederick Weisberg is going to be taking over this case and I assume looking at this motion for reconsideration. Adler... Was surprised at the fact that um, you know this was actually going to be going to trial. That the motion to dismiss uh, was um, that motion, to, you know, to dismiss was not granted. Now, Ed in the chat room is saying that Stein's defense so far is that man is a public figure, but it's hard to make that case since he's just a professor, not a famous person. Mm, but professors are being drawn in as people who are famous for particular issues. So, I mean I've I've seen people be declared public figures on a lot less than putting themselves out into the national conversation or the right. international conversation on an important issue like climate change. So, we'll see. Uh still I would say that the claim of malice would be difficult to show. And again, it's it's not malice in the, you know, traditional colloquial sense. It has to be with knowledge of falsity or with reckless disregard for the truth. And the other point in Adler's critique here that stands is that the focus of Stein's critique was the investigation by Penn State. He made, you know, comments Illusion. about he made comments about man as well, but I don't think those are the primary thing. We should be able to out in the world of discourse about something like climate change where the government is trying to take away our, our rights on you know the grounds that the climate is changing etc we should be able to have a vigorous debate about it and not be subject to you know defamation suits and things like that so i don't i don't know we'll we'll just we'll see how this goes we got to follow it what we do want to know is whether judges are in the case of public figures not going to defend our right to speak freely in and critically against them, is there going to be a certain number of issues like climate change or Obamacare or other things where we're not going to be free to speak our mind yeah. um, If we say that you know Obama lied about a certain thing where I think he lied on things yeah. they're going to go after me and give me a defamation lawsuit. that's really going to be interesting, yeah um. Uh, Larry Nelson, in the, or excuse me again, this Barbara in the chat room says that a public figure should be broadly or well known. Not that I knew Michael Mann, but maybe within a certain sphere.
2: I don't. Well, Michael Mann, he directed a good movie called Heat with Al Pacino and Robert De Niro. But it's probably a different Michael Mann. I said that. that <laughs>
1: I'm, I'm that's think- the only Michael I, Mann. I'm, that's the I'm famous thinking, Michael Mann. I'm thinking it's a different Michael Mann. Yeah. Anyway, let's let's keep an eye on that case. It is anything but settled because the judge is stepping down. There's a motion to reconsider that's being handled by a new judge let's end on a tiny bit of good news which is again whatever you think about the particular amendments proposed by mark levin himself we have a actual member of congress u.s senator tom coburn
2: who's a good and bad
1: yeah bosch says yeah good and bad he's been watching him a little bit more He has joined the call for a national constitutional convention. He has urged Oklahomans to join the call for a national constitutional convention. I'd like to see more of this.
2: He's a guy who's not for for defunding Obamacare, though, so he's good and bad. And he's not running for office again, so I think he feels a little free to go out there and try to be, try to go out in a more respectful way, possibly. But it's good to hear, regardless.
1: More credibility, the more of you guys that step up and urge your states to join the As far as I'm concerned, we we do have to go. It says,
2: "Buy Liberty Amendments." Absolutely, because there are people who are reviewing it who have not read it. That's just yeah. Don't
1: don't don't review it without reading it, or you know, only review the parts that you've read, etc. Anyway, we have to go, everyone. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in this week. If you want to follow me, you want to follow the Facebook page, you can find all the information at DontLetItGo.com. You can comment on today's show there as well. You can donate to support the show. All of this we appreciate. Thank you for tuning in. Spread the word if you enjoy the show, and we will talk to you next week. Okay? Everyone have a good weekend. Take care. Goodbye.
3: Oh, i Oh, yeah.